Ephesians chapter 4, we continue with verses 7 to 12 this morning, but before uh, I have you read those with me, I want to think about something, and this is a little different. I, I, this is not something I normally do, but I want some, I want some interaction from you. Uh, this morning, a friend of mine posted a picture on Facebook of a small group of uh, Christians in Ukraine who were in their church building, and uh, they said, greetings from brothers and sisters who are in our church basement as a bomb shelter. For us now, a modern contextual translation of Psalm 1810 is this, the name of the Lord is a strong bomb shelter instead of a strong tower. He says, let's hold on, take care, pray, and put hope in the Lord. Now, now, to go down to the basement for worship. I want to ask you this morning, uh, if Mountain Fellowship was a small church like this uh, in a small town on the outskirts of one of Ukraine's small cities, perhaps not one of the cities that's uh, being targeted severely, intensely right now, but one of the small cities in Ukraine, if we were one of those congregations, when I ask you to respond to this question for a couple of minutes, um, what would we be doing on this first Sunday after the invasion had started taking place? What, if we were one of those churches in Ukraine, what would we be doing as a church? Raise your hand so I can see who's talking, if you're going to answer that question. What are some of the things we would be doing? Robert. Praying. Praying. Praying together, yes. What else? Say it again. Preparing to fight. What else? Reading the Word of God, the Scriptures, yes. What else? Singing, worshiping the Lord together, yes. I saw a beautiful video of uh, if you know that song, he will hold me fast, that song. It's a, a, a family uh, singing that in their own language in their house. It's beautiful. Richard. Supporting one another. Supporting one another, yes. Yes, sir, Connor. Watching the news, keeping our eye on what's going on. Absolutely. Anything else? Lots of hugs, absolutely. Audra. Yes, planning on how to take care of the, the refugees that are coming through our town on their way uh, to the west to get out of the country or, or folks who are being displaced by what's happening in their cities and towns. You realize that all of the things you said are on the front of our bulletin. You mentioned that we would be listening to the word of God. We would be worshiping. We would be fellowshipping together, hugs and support. Um, we would be praying together. And we would be serving, whether that means serving uh, to help protect one another in the fight or serving those who are refugees or who... Uh, 
are fleeing their cities. In other words, if we were there, we would be doing what they're doing. We would be the church. And I wonder this morning, um, what if we were also coming to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 to 12, um, with neighbors in other cities uh, dodging bombs and bullets? What, what, would this, what would these verses say to encourage us this morning if we were worshiping there on this first Sunday after our nation's invasion? Well, let's, let's stand, and I want you to think about that as, as I read this. And as you hear the word of the God who loves his church, as you hear the word of the God who loves you, from Ephesians chapter 4, 7 through 12, Paul writes, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, and he quotes Psalm 68, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And then Paul has this parenthetical uh, saying about that quote. He says, in saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated as I pray. Father, would you now... Equip us by your word. Encourage us by your word to be your church. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So if we were there, and if we were in these verses, we, we would do what we try to do every Sunday. We would ask... We we would listen to God's word to hear and remember what God has done for his people through Jesus. That's what we try to do every Sunday is listen to the word of God so that we can hear and remember what has God done for us, his people, through Jesus. And then the other thing we would do as we try to do each Sunday is consider then what must we do in response to what God has done? And so that's, that's what we're going to do briefly this morning um, as we look at these verses together. First of all, in these verses, Paul is telling the church what God has done for them in Jesus. And I'll just summarize it with these two short statements. Here's what Paul is saying God has done for us in Jesus. Jesus has taken us captive. And Jesus is giving us as gifts. That's it. That's what we're going to look at in this passage together. Jesus has taken us as captives, and Jesus is giving us as gifts. He said, when he ascended on high, he led a host 
of captives, and he gave gifts to men. There they are. So what does it mean? He has taken us captive. Paul's tapping into uh, the image of the victory parade. So when a king conquered his enemies, he would then come back to his capital city and have a victory parade. And uh, he would have in that long parade not only all of his uh, victorious officers and, and soldiers, but he would also have toward the back of the parade all of the captives that he has brought with him, all of his enemy captives. And along with them, wagon load after wagon load after wagon load of the spoils of war, all the, the riches and treasures that he has plundered from his enemy. And those would be a part of his parade. And this is the imagery that Paul is tapping into as he's also tapping into Psalm 68, which if you go back and read that this afternoon, it's a long psalm, but the general idea is Yahweh, God. It's, it's a depiction of Yahweh, God, on his victory march from Egypt to Mount Sinai and ultimately to Zion, the city of God and the temple. And Paul's tapping into all of that imagery to say that Jesus is the victorious king that Psalm 70, uh, 68 predicted and prophesied. Jesus is the God of salvation. And he has taken us captive. I want you to imagine for a minute, you know, we're, we're hearing a lot about President Zelensky of Ukraine. And he's, uh, he's being uh, lifted up as a hero leader right now. I don't know if you've seen some of the things. Apparently he was given the opportunity to be rescued by the United States, and apparently, he allegedly said, um, uh, the fight is here, I need ammunition, not a ride. So, I mean, people are just, wow, what, what a great leader for his country this guy is. But I wonder, let's think for a moment, how would the people of Ukraine feel about their president if he did this? Let's say that after the, the battle is over and, and he's won, he collects all of the Russian captives and he forgives them for all their war crimes. He says, no, uh, yes, you, created the, you, you committed the crimes, but I will absorb the cost of the crimes you have committed and I will forgive you. Your record is clean. I don't think the people would be as excited about his leadership at that point, perhaps. Well, what if he went a step further? What if he uh, invited them to be citizens of Ukraine? What if he asked them and enlisted them to be soldiers in his army? And what if he then did the unthinkable? He adopted them and made them sons at his table. But this is what Paul is saying God has done for us in Jesus. Because you know, the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. This is, this is his country, the whole, the whole planet, the whole universe. And his enemy invaded it and turned his own people against him, made them enemies against God, turned his own sons and daughters against him. And Paul said in Ephesians 2 that, 
We walked in that rebellion. We walked and marched in line with the world and all of its rebellion against our King God. We marched and followed Satan, uh, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of dis- disobedience. We marched in line and followed the devices and desires of our own hearts and minds, our own selfishness. That's who we were. We are the aggressors. But God sent his son, Jesus, to descend to earth, to live as the citizens they should have been, to descend to the humiliation of the cross, to receive the justice they deserved for their rebellion. And God raised Jesus from the depths of death to prove that Jesus' perfection and his payment were acceptable to him. And now Jesus is ascended and sits at the right hand of God the Father, far above the heavens and all rulers, Paul says, filling all things with his presence as the victorious king. That's what our King Jesus has done for us his enemies. Even while we were still his enemies, Christ died for us so that through him we might become citizens of his kingdom, soldiers in his army, and sons and daughters at his table. Thanks be to God. It's unbelievable. To be his captive is to be found, is to be freed, and is to no longer be fatherless. So we, we need to pray that our brothers and sisters in Ukraine would remember and hold dearly to what Jesus has done to take them captive. Jesus has taken us captive, but is that all? No. Jesus is now giving us as gifts. So have you ever heard someone say, oh, he thinks he's God's gift to women? Or have you heard this version of it in in, in Christian circles? Oh, he thinks he's God's gift to the church. Maybe you've never said it, but you've thought it. Well, you know what? Paul is saying that you are God's gift to the church. I'm God's gift to the church. Each of you is God's gift to the church. That's what he says when he says he gave uh, the apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers, and when he gave each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. uh, Let's think about that for a minute. We are all gifts to the church, and he mentions two groups of people who are gifts. First, he mentions all of us as members of the body of Christ. Look at uh, verse 7. He says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And when he says grace was given there, he's he's in the context of this, he's actually saying this, but a a grace gift was given to each of us. Gifts were given to us so that we might in turn be gifts to one another. Where do I see that? Well, in verse 12, he says, that the saints are to be equipped for the work of ministry. We are, be, and that word ministry is a word that is, it means to be a servant. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about it in a minute. But 
So we've been given gifts so that Jesus then offers us as gifts to one another and to the world. It's uh, reminiscent of what Peter said in 1 Peter 4. We read it this morning. I'm going to read it again. I think Peter uh, sort of elaborates on what Paul is saying here. 1 Peter 4.10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So we've, grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So use that grace and that gift to serve one another, Peter says. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So we've been given gifts so that we might be gifts to God's church. We were all given something to contribute to the body of Christ. We are not consumers. We are contributors. We contribute so that Christ uh, would strengthen his people. I said I would explain what that, that word ministry is that we are to be equipped for. Now, I'm going to talk more about these verses next week, so I don't want to say a ton about it now, but just to give you this, this visual image, the word ministry there is a word that uh, talks about a, a certain kind of servant uh, in that culture. And that kind of servant was called a diakonos. And they were really just like the servers at our restaurants. So when you go to a restaurant, you have a server who's been assigned to your table. They've also been assigned to a number of other tables. And their job is to wait on to serve the needs of the people at the tables they've been assigned. That's exactly what this word is. That's what ministry is. God has given each of us an assignment of tables. And we, he has placed us here to serve, to wait on the needs of the people in those tables that he's assigned to us. And he's given us whatever gift he's given us to be able to do that kind of service in the places he put us. Now, I'm not going to go into a ton of detail there because that's what the Sunday school class that I'm going to do in, over the next three weeks is all about. So I invite you to come. It doesn't matter your age. Uh, you have been assigned some tables. And God has something for you to do for the people who sit at those tables. So what I want to help you do in the next three Sundays, is to kind of map out your tables so you can see where they are and start to see who are the people that sit at those tables. And then I'm going to help give you uh, some goals for what, what you should be doing there, what should be happening among those tables, and some very practical ways that you can serve the people that God has given you to serve. Stay tuned, so come and find out more about that. But that's, that's what Jesus has done. He's taken you captive to himself, and now he's giving you back as a servant. But there are particular, so that's all members. We've all been given grace to serve in the places he's put us. But there are a certain group of members who have been given a particular kind of gift that he mentions in verse 
11. He says, and he gave, there's the word gave again, he gave these people are gifts to God's church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. They were given to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So all of these folks, and I'm not going to go into detail about all these right now, but uh, these are apostles, people who had been sent with the message of Jesus. These are prophets, people who have been given uh, illumination to explain God's word to people. Evangelists, these are people who gossip the gospel. Uh, They're spreading the good news. And then the ones that we're most familiar with are shepherds and teachers, elders, pastors, teachers, Um, the folks who have been called to serve in a local church, in a local place. But all of these people have the same task, and they are to serve and equip God's people with the word of God. And so they've been given a particular gift of taking the word of God and using it to shape and equip and encourage all of God's people to use the gifts God has given them in the places he's put them. And so together, all the messengers and all the members, we're God's gift to his church. We're God's gift to his, gifts to his church. And what does Paul say? The purpose of these gifts to his church are, it is so that the body of Christ would be built up, would be strengthened, so that we as the body, as we live in the place God has put all of us, we would serve the neighbors and the nations and the next generation. That's what God is up to. We're going to talk more about that next week as we move on in this passage. But this morning... I just want us to remember that Jesus came. He descended all the way down to live the life that you should have lived, to die the death that you should have died, you deserve to die. He rose again from the depths of the grave and is seated at the right hand of God the Father. And in doing so, he's taken you captive. He's made you citizens and sons and soldiers And now he's giving you away. So as we pray for Ukraine, we can pray that they would remember that they've been taken captive by the true king. And the true king is now giving them away to each other and to those around them who are in need. But what's true for the church in Ukraine is no less true for Mountain Fellowship this morning. The difference is that we may not feel like we're on the front line as much as they do today. As we'll see, uh, Paul says later in Ephesians 6, we actually are all on the front line of spiritual warfare as we're being opposed by the enemy. But, you know, we may be, in a sense, like those units of troops that are all over America right now that that are preparing to be deployed to Eastern Europe, to Asia, to Middle East, wherever. I know a young man who is a paratrooper in the 82nd Airborne in Fort Bragg. And he was not one of those initial ones that... Army sent over to Germany and Poland, but he told us 
He was next in line. And he spent the last few months just preparing, preparing in the field, in the field, uh, war games, preparing, getting ready. Um, And I haven't heard from him, but I'm sure that after what's happened in the last week, he's on his way. And he told us that they had to be prepared. He, could, he had to be all packed and ready to go. He couldn't be a certain, more than a certain distance away from the base at any time when he had free time. He always had to have his cell phone ready to go because as soon as they called him, they were going to have him in Eastern Europe in 18 hours or less. So we, we, as Mountain Fellowship, may not feel like we're necessarily on the front line of all the action today, but we may be tomorrow. And besides that, what kind of world do our children and grandchildren have coming for them? Honestly. Where in the scriptures did it ever promise that a nation like ours would last for hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years? Does it not make you tremble to think that your grandchildren may be experiencing one day what the church in Ukraine is experiencing? It's possible. My question is, Will they be ready? Will they be ready? Will they be confident that King Jesus has made them captive to him? Will, be they, will they be ready to give themselves and the gifts Jesus has given them to serve one another and to serve the people in the places he's put them? Will the, sec- will the next generation or the generation after this of Mountain Fellowship be ready Well, they won't if we're not. You you understand what I mean? We may not be where Ukraine is today, but if we're not preparing ourselves by believing that Jesus is our conquering king and obeying him by giving ourselves away because he's given us away, our children won't do it and their children won't do it. Friends, we, we've got work to do. <laughs> but there's hope because it's the very work that Jesus wants to do in us. The very work that Jesus died and rose again and has ascended to make happen in us. So, as you pray for Ukraine and the church in Ukraine, pray for Mountain Fellowship. Pray for the next generations of Mountain Fellowship. Some of us will only be around Mountain Fellowship for about 10 or 15 more years. We've got work to do. God, help us. Prepare us. Continue to preach the gospel to us. Continue to help us to stay in the story of Jesus until we are so 
identified with the story of Jesus, that we love it and we learn it and we live in it and we, we can't get enough of the reality of that story because it is that story that defines who we are. Lord Jesus, don't let us forget that you are the conquering king, that you descended to earth and did all of that out of love for us. You took us captive. Thank you, God, for making me your slave. Thank you, Jesus, that we are not your enemies anymore, but we're your sons and daughters and your your soldiers and your citizens. Oh, God, would you help us to help the next generation of this church to know this good news, to believe it, and to live as if they are gifts to one another, and to the world. You've got to do this, and you've got to help us know how we can participate in your work. Lord Jesus, come and do that. We ask in your sweet and powerful name. Amen.